So, um, yeah, so so thankful for the McGlones and them sharing a little bit of their story with us this morning and thankful for you guys gathering with us today as well. If you have a Bible, um, you we're going to be in John chapter 13 this morning, John chapter 13, um, but we're also going to be a lot of other places. So so you might put your finger, put go, go to John 13, put your finger there and flip over to Mark chapter 12, because um, that's where we're going to start out, out this morning. Um, Hey, um, we, we um, kicked off a new teaching series last Sunday called We Can't Stay Here. Um, and, and really what we uh, just are simply trying to do is we're just trying to say, hey, this is, this is our mission and this is our vision as Grace Hills. Um, why do we exist? Why do we gather? And, and what we mean by we can't stay here is we're not talking about our physical location. We're simply saying that, that there's an incredible spiritual need in our communities in th- and throughout the foothills that God has placed us here to meet. Um, and so, so we have just said, okay, what, what are we here for? What are we doing? Um, and, and I would just encourage you if, you, if you were gone last week, I know we got like a foot of snow last weekend and almost a foot again to this week. You know, it's just one of those weak um, times of year, right? But um, if you didn't, go back and listen to last week's message because I'm going to lay some of these things out again for you today, but, but I go into a lot more depth last week. And so um, I would go to YouTube um, and you can just group. Just you like search through the search bar, Grace Hills Community Church, and you'll find last week's message, or it's on our website as well. Um, but, but really, here's what we believe our mission is as a church. Here's what we are trying to do: is we our mission is to is helping people. And, and if you fall into the people category, that means we're for you. Okay, um, helping people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. Um, we are about helping people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. And so, so we said, um, we, we just simply said, hey, hey, this is what we want to be about. This is what we want to be about doing. We believe that this um, encompasses what, what Jesus commands us to be doing as the church, um, helping people discover who he is and his love for them, at the same time helping one another deepen our current relationship with with Jesus. And so this is what we want to be about. This is our mission as a church. This is our mission as a church. Um, but we also said, hey, but 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 our, here's our vision as a church, okay? Um, we, we have this just deep-seated desire to see Jesus made much of throughout the foothills, okay? And so here's, here's, our, here's our vision. We want to flip the script here in the foothills in the next generation. In, in the next 30 years, we want to make major progress on, on the 90% unchurched that, that sits in our area, right? Like 90%, nine out of every 10 people who live in, uh, in the foothills here um, are far from God. They, they have no working relationship with Jesus, and we want to do something about it. And we believe that we have been called to flip the script here in the foothills in the next generation. And so, so that, that's, that's what we desire to do. That, that as we help people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus, we believe the script begins to be flipped here. And it's going to take time and it's going to take um, effort. It's going to take a lot of um, us to do it together. Um, none of us can do it on our own. We need to seek the help of God and one another to do this. And so, so here's where we're going today. 
Okay, today uh, and over the next three weeks, uh, over the next two weeks after this, um, we just want to say how, how, what's some of our strategy behind doing this? Uh, how do we believe this happens? Um, how, how do we actually approach that? And, and so we just want to kind of lay before you our values as a church. And, and, and what we said last week is, here's our values. We believe that we are family, and therefore we love like family. We said that we are servants, and so we serve others like Jesus. And lastly, we believe that we are sent. We are a people that are sent into the places we work, live, and play with the good news of Jesus. So let me pray for our time together, and then we're going to dive into what does it mean that we are family. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love and your faithfulness. Thankful for this, this community of people that you are building here, that you, as, as we gather together and we worship your name, Jesus, I, I pray and I ask that you would do a work in us and through us, that you would be glorified and made much of. I pray that over the next few moments, Lord, that you would help me to proclaim your word with clarity and conviction. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that your word would do the work in our hearts. And so, Jesus, we need you, and we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so we're going to, like I said, we're going to be in John chapter 13 in a little bit. But first, I want us to go to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And the verses are going to be up on the screen. So if you don't feel like flipping around a whole lot today, that's okay. Um, they'll be up there for you. So Mark chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 29, as we're thinking about this idea, what does it mean that we are family? What, what do I mean by that? Well, we have to um, start with this here, I believe. And, and this is what it says in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 29. It says, Jesus replied. Jesus is having a discussion Okay, just so you know some of the context, what's going on here. Jesus is having a discussion with some of the, um, uh, with a lawyer, a, a religious leader in the community, and, and he comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, what is the most important command? Um, Moses laid out like 613 commands in the Old Testament for the Jewish people to follow. And so, so Jesus here is asked the question, okay, rabbi, okay, teacher, what do you say is the most important command in the Mosaic law? And this is Jesus' response to that. And this is what he says. He says, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. No other commandment is greater than these. And so when Jesus is asked, what is the most important commandment? Um, he could have gone a lot of different directions here. Um, he, 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 could have, he could have highlighted a lot of different things, but, but what he responds to and what he, he says here is that, that the primary command for us found in Scripture is, is, is loving God and loving people. Did, did, and, and I think what's really interesting here is that, that he said, 
he, he's asked, hey, what is the one most important uh, commandment? And he actually gives them two, right? Like if you look in verse 31, he says at the end, he goes, no other commandment, singular, is greater than these, plural. So, so he says that, that the, 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 the idea that we love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves, that we would love people and that we, we would love God, that these two ideas are completely inseparable in Scripture. That, that, that he puts them together because they are equally important. That we would not only love God, but that we would also love people. And, and so this is what Jesus, this is Jesus' response to what is the most important command. That we would love God and we would love people. And they are inseparable from one another. Because at the end of the day, when we love people, we demonstrate that we love God. John, in 1 John chapter 4, he writes it this way. He says, hey, if you say that you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. You don't really love God. Like, 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 like that is the, the, the extent to which, which this idea goes. Like, like, you cannot love God and hate your brother, your sister, not, and maybe that's familiar, but, but that's, that, that, that's a, a spiritual brother, a spiritual sister. You can't say you love one and hate the other because these two ideas are forever linked to one another. That you must l- demonstrate your love for God by how you love people. That this is, the, the, this is the great commandment. This is what Jesus saw as most important. This is what Jesus saw as most important. That we would love God and that we would love people. Absolutely no separation in these two ideas. No separation in these two ideas, even though we try and separate it all the time. You see, I, I think that that's one of, the, one of the greatest tests to know. If we are growing in our faith, <clears throat> one of the greatest tests if we're growing in our faith is, is how is our love for others? How, how much do you love God? Well, how much do you love people? How, how much do you care for, for those that God has placed in and around you? That this is, this is what we have to grow in. We must grow in our love for one another. We must grow in our love for, for one another. You see, see, at the end of the day, I believe that the church isn't like a family. The church is a family. That, that this is our identity in Christ. That, that, that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, that we are adopted into the family of God. We are adopted in the family of God. And so we become family, and therefore we should love like family. We should love like family. That, that when... That when we, when we begin to, as I was thinking about it this week, like, like what, what are we known for? Like, like at, not, not just Grace Hill, but, but like what are Christians known for in our culture, in our world, in our country? Like, like if we were to go, say we were to go and find some random person on the street on this really cold day, right? Um, and they're like, I don't want to talk to you, but, you know, we would interview them anyway. Um, but, <laughs> but, but what would they say? Like if we said, hey, how do you know if someone's a Christian? I think, I think, uh, what? <laughs> and so, 
So, so if we were to ask that question, I think we'd get a lot of different answers, right? Like, like, I think, well, someone who goes to church, someone, someone who prays, someone who reads about, someone who wears a cross necklace around their neck. And, and you would get this myriad of answers across the board. But what did Jesus say should identify us as followers of his? What, what, what did Jesus say we should be identified as? Well, if you look over to John chapter 13, this is where we begin to see this idea. In John chapter 13, in verse 35, this is what Jesus says. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. So, so, so by this, all people. Remember we talk, who, who falls into the all people category? Um, believers and non-believers. Um, uh, every single person who lives on the planet falls into the all people category as last time I checked. Um, and so, so, so when it says, by this, all people will know that you are my followers if you have love for one another, that, that, that followers of Jesus should first and foremost be known by their love, not by if they go to church or not, not by if they pray or not, not by their political ideology, not by anything other than the reality that they love people. They love people. That Jesus says that this is going to be what identifies my followers. This is going to be what, what, what sets my people apart is their love for people, their love for one another. That, that this is what we must be marked by. We must be marked by our love. And so, so let's, let's, look at, let's think about this question again, right? Like if you were to go to your neighbor, if you were to go to your coworker, if you were to go to your family member or your friend and you were to say, hey, how do you know that I'm a Christian? And you, and you were just, just in a real personal way, just, just let them answer that question for you. What would they say? How would they know that you are a follower of Jesus? Would they know that you're a follower of Jesus? What, what, would, what would distinguish you? What would set you apart? What would, in their mind, be, be the reason that they know that you follow Jesus? Would it be because of your love? Would it be because of the way that you view and care and move towards people? You see, See, one of the things I think that, that, that we have to understand, we're, we're going we're gonna to dive into this here in more in a second, but, but when we look at how Jesus loved people, Jesus was always moving towards the mess. Jesus was always moving towards difficult people. Like, like he is constantly being questioned as to why he's hanging out with such challenging, sinful, wicked people. Like, why is he having all these dinner parties with people who are not considered um, uh, 
are not considered religious or, or even decent human beings, right? He's always moving towards the mess, that this is how Jesus loved us. And this is how we love others. That we love because he first loved us. This is first, that's 1 John chapter 4. Like we love people because Jesus first loved us. And so, so one of the things I don't want us to do today is I don't want to be like, yeah, we need to love others and, and run out the store and not have any idea why we should be loving others and, and, and not really understand um, what it even looks like to love others. And so, so I thought for the, for the next few moments, I just want to unpack some of the ways that God has loved us so that we can better understand our motivation for loving others. Because if we don't understand why we love others, we're not going to do it out of right motivation. We might go and be kind to people. We might go and, and, and be caring for others for, 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 a few, for a few minutes, for a few days, for a few weeks. But it's not going to last if we don't love out of the right motivation. And so, so here's what I want us to do. So it, it, we're going to jump kind of to some different places here. So Ephesians chapter 1. I want to jump over there. I know we spent a lot of weeks in Ephesians, but I, I think it's, it's good and we can't not do this passage. So Ephesians chapter 1. In fact, I'm just going to read them off the screen because I can't flip to all these passages either. So, uh, so Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. This is what it says. It says, even before he, being God, made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure. God says to all people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, okay? He says to all people who've put their faith in him that before not, not just before you were born, but before he ever spoke the world into creation, before he ever spoke the, the world into existence, he chose you to be part of his family. He chose you, he adopted you to be part of his family. And listen, this is the theological deep end, and we don't have time to swim around very much here today, um, but, 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 but I just want you to hear this truth and hear this reality that God loves you and he chose you before he ever even created the world. I want you to hear that and just take it as it is today. One of these days we can dive into that a little bit more, but I, but I just want you to hear it and take it at face value today. That God loved you and he adopted you into his family. And just to kind of help you get a better sense of what this means and the significance and the weight of this idea, we got to understand that, 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 that adoption doesn't begin with a child's invitation. A ch a, adoption begins with a parent's initiation. Okay? Adoption begins with a parent's initiative, not a child's invitation. A few years ago, um, well, a lot of years ago now, when Kayla and I wanted to start the adoption process, um, we, our youngest is adopted, if you don't know that. Um, and, and, and so when we wanted to start that process, 
Um, I, I remember we just felt like God was leading us. So, so we began to just, okay, where, where, are we, where do we want to adopt? What is that going to look like? And, and we began to kind of pursue that and trying to figure what that all meant and what that looked like. And, um, and, and I remember we, we began, okay, we're, we're going to, uh, our, our journey started off in Ethiopia and then it went to India. And, and we, we now have a, a beautiful little boy. Well, he's not little, he's getting big now, but um, no, he's, he's still little. But, um, <laughs> but, but he's a, he is wild as can be. Love it. He's all boy. It's awesome. Um, but, <laughs> but, I, but I remember when we were starting, the, we were initiating the process to adopt him into our family. We were filling out paperwork. We were doing all kinds of different things in order to, to, to bring him into our home. Um, I, I remember even, in fact, um, one time I, I, went to this, um, I went to this one place and I had to get this paperwork. Um, and, and I remember saying, hey, yeah, I need this because we're, we're adopting. And they looked at me and they were so excited for us. And they go, oh, that's so exciting. What breed? And, and I looked at her and I was confused because I'd never even heard that terminology in relation to pets before. Um, and, uh, and I go, the, the human kind. Um, that's, that's the kind we want. Um, and so, um, like, just saying, if someone says they're adopting, maybe what breed is not the first question that should come out of your mouth. Um, so, but, but we were, but we were trying to, we were, we were like, 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 years of, of, of paperwork. Lots of things to jump through. Lots of hoops to, to, to get done. And we were doing and we were making it happen. We were going. And all of this was taking place before Judah was even born. He had no clue who we were. He had no idea when he was being taken care of by uh, the orphanage workers in India that he had a mom and dad on the other side of the planet who were working tirelessly to pursue him, to bring him into their home. He had no idea. And I don't even, to this day, he probably really has no idea all that went into bringing him into our home. We pursued him relentlessly. We went hard, hard after bringing him, this boy, into our home to be part of our family forever. And it's this idea with this picture in place that we have to understand God's initiation to adopt us into his family. It's, it's, it's this, but before the sun was ever placed in the sky, before the mountains were ever laid out on the earth, before the oceans were ever filled up, before the stars were set in sky, before time was ever even set in motion, God placed his sights on you and me, and he said, I love you, I want you to be in my family, and I'm going to make a way for that to happen. That this is God's initiating love for you and for me, and we have to feel the weight of that love. We, we, we have to understand that that is the love with which we have been loved. I think, I think, I think we, 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 uh, we minimize God's love. We're so used to maybe hearing that God loves you, that Jesus loves you, that, that, that we forget the, the, the weight of it. We forget the depths of it. It's so easy to miss the, the incredible 
initiation on God's part to bring us into his family. This is how he has loved you and me. This is how he's loved us. Immeasurably valuable and loved in God's eyes. Not only that, though, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, this is what we see. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That, that, that God sent his one and only son. This is real love. This is real love. That, that we live in a culture that wants to define love in lots of different ways. But at the end of the day, God is love. That he is the only one who can properly and rightly define love. And love is sacrificial. Love is costly. And Jesus demonstrated that by loving us enough to sacrifice himself so that we might be reconciled to a most holy God. John chapter 15 verse 13 tells us that greater love has no one than this than someone who lays down his life for his friends. That, 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 that Jesus calls us friends and he laid down his life for us. Philippians chapter 2 shares how, how God, how Jesus did not count equality with God, though he was God, a thing to cling to, a thing to grasp to. But instead, he emptied himself. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. That this is Jesus demonstrating his love for you and for me. He didn't just say he loved us. He demonstrated he loved us. He didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. This is who Jesus is. Then Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39 says, I am convinced, this is Paul writing, and he says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor ne neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. From God's love, verse 39. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's one of the things I think that's so important for us to understand, that God's love is unconditional. His love for you and me is not based on, your, on you being a good person. His love is not based on what you can do. It's not based on your merit. It's based on Jesus. He simply sees you and he declares, I love you. 
You see, I think that this is so comforting because sometimes I think we think that when we're doing really good at following God, when we're really doing really good at being part of church, when we're doing really good about praying and reading our Bibles, that, 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 for, that it's some reason in that moment that God is more pleased with us, that he is more happy with us, that he loves us more when we're doing the right things. And the reality is, is that God loves you as much as he possibly could ever love you in your darkest, most wicked moments as he does in your best moments. That wherever that moment is for you, and it may be for you, that God sees you there and he loves you. And there's nothing that can separate you from that love. His love is not conditional based on your ability to follow him. It's not. That this is the way in which God has loved us. His infinite love for you and for me. And this is what motivates us. This is what motivates our love. This is what, what motivates us to follow him. And then, and, and, and I th see, th there's this idea here. That at the end of the day, I believe that what God has done for you, he now wants to do through you. What God has done for you, he now wants to do through you. That, that, that the love with which he has loved you, that as the, 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 his children, as his people, that he has placed here in the foothills of Colorado in 2024, that, that, that we now get to love others the way he has loved us. And in so doing, we help others discover who he is. We demonstrate the reality that there is a God in the universe who loves other people. That we, that, that we actually get to help people see and know what God is like when we love. This is what Jesus is talking about back in John chapter 13. This is what he's talking about. When, when he, he says in verse 34 and 35, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another, not as, uh, not, not, not as you love yourself even, not, not, as, um, not, not as you would love uh, your brother or sister, but, but I want you to love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another because by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. That this is the, the, the commandment that he gives us. This is the identifying marker that should mark the people of God. It's your love for one another. We demonstrate our love for God when we love others. When we love others. And so, so how do we know if we're growing spiritually? How do we know if we're, if we're growing in our, in, our, in our walk with Jesus? Well, I think we can measure that in some ways by how we are loving others. I, I think we can measure it in our love. Because it's incredibly possible to be very religious and not transformed. It's incredibly possible to be very good at doing the right things, going to church, 
following X, Y, Z, and be hard-hearted towards others. And so we must be growing in our love. And the reality is, is you know, there's this saying back in, I don't know, 60s, 70s, like, love is free, right? Like that kind of, I wasn't there, but I, I've heard it. Um, and, and the reality is, is love is not free. Love is costly. Love is sacrificial. Love is, is difficult. Love does not, I would say, does not even come natural for us. Because, because the reality is, is that, that love requires others. Love requires other people. It requires relationship with people. And, and, and it requires you to not be so self-focused, but be outward and others-focused. It requires you to, um, it, it requires a lot, listen, it, it just love will cost you your comfort. It will cost you your time. It will cost you energy. It will cost you money. It will cost you more and more. That love is costly. Love is expensive. And yet, this is what we will be known by as followers of Jesus. We will be known by our love. We will be known by our love. I remember when I was doing youth ministry in Kansas City for a while, we had, um, there was this season where we had this kid coming to our youth group, and um, I'll just call him Jay. Um, and, and Jay was just, he, had a, he, had a, he came from a, a really challenging home. Um, he, he came from a, 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 lot, a lot of trauma, a lot of things. Um, and, and on top of that, um, he had, um, he had a, a, an illness that required him to spend a lot of time in the hospital. Um, and, and I, and I remember when he first started coming, so someone was, his, I think someone was his neighbor and that's how he, they, they started bringing him to youth group. And, and I, and I remember him coming and I want to be honest with you. I did not like him. Um, I, I, I love most, most of our students, but, but there's some students that just, they just irritate you. Right. Um, and you, if you, I, 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 that's not true with anybody in this room. So, um, just so you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but, but he, was, uh, he was just really, like, and I couldn't figure it out for a long time. I was like, man, I, like, I, I mean, we're, we're, this is what we're doing. And he would be, like, off on the other side of the building, like, like breaking into the, the um, like, the, the, man, what's that thing called? The, the fire extinguisher. Yeah, you know, those things are in glass. Like, he'd be breaking that on the other side of the building, not where he's supposed to be. And then I'm getting an email saying, hey, why aren't you having all your people controlled, and why is this kid way over here, and you're not? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, and he was, just, he was a challenge, like, for real. Uh, like, he, I, like there, was, there was times where it was just, man, I, I, but, but for whatever reason, I, even though he was a challenge, I felt like, I, man, I just, I need to love this guy, this kid. I need to, to love him and love him well. And so, so I would go, and I would go to his school, and I would have, I would have lunch with him um, on occasion. I remember, um, this is funny, this just come, came back to me. I remember one time after, after youth group, it was like 9 o'clock at night, and his ride was there to pick him up, and he refused to get in the car to go home. And it was like, man, I am, I am exhausted. I've been here all day. I need to go home. 
this, Jay, Jay, you need to get into the car. And so I remember just, I was like, man, if you don't get in that car, I'm going to pick you up and shove you in that car. And, and I am so glad he didn't call me on that because I don't know that he was not a small kid. Um, I don't know that I could have physically got him picked up and put in the car. But, but, I, but I remember I just, just, just being, hey, man, I'm glad you're here tonight. Hey, thanks for being here. I mean, I, I, I love you. Um, and just, just trying to communicate that to him week in and week out. And, 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 and I remember the night, though. It was, it, was, it, was, he was, it was his last night coming to youth group. He, he was, his family was moving to the other side of Kansas City. They weren't going to be able to come anymore. And, and I remember that night, he put his faith in Jesus. And I remember just, just having a conversation with him. He goes, hey, thanks for being there. Like, he, he, I, like, like and that, that was it. Like, he wasn't... <laughs> He wasn't a, a, a kid of many words, but, but he just said, hey, thanks, thanks for being there. And it was just, I gave him a hug, and I told him, hey, man, I'm thankful for you. If you ever need anything, let me know. And, and I, I've sort of lost track of him, to be honest, but, 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 but I remember it was, there was a couple of years that it was just hard with him. It was hard to love him. It was, it was, it was challenging to care for him. And yet I think God was, was trying to teach me something. That, that, that loving people who are nice to you, that, that loving people who look like you and act like you and sound like you is great. But we're also called to love those who are incredibly different than us. That's what it means to be the church. That we are a diverse family of people who come from all types of backgrounds, who come from all types of understanding. Like there are, like, like there are people who, who have biblical understanding um, and, the, and there are people who don't have any. The, the, there are those of us in the room that have grown up in church and those of us who this is like the first time you've ever been in a church. Like, like we are incredibly diverse socioeconomically. We are incredibly diverse in so many ways, and yet God has said, hey, I want you to love the person sitting next to you. I want you to love the, the person across the aisle from you. I want you to love them like I have loved you, sacrificially. That we, we give of ourselves to be in relationship with our, one another. And, and here's where I think this is important for us to understand. We gotta, we gotta get our heads wrapped around this a little bit, okay? Like, like we have launched groups, okay, as a response to helping one another grow in our love for each other. It is difficult and challenging if the only time you see the people in this room is on Sunday morning. Like, like I think that, the, that it's important that we sit in, in rows like this and we sit shoulder to shoulder and we, we worship Jesus Together, I think that this is such a vital, important part of our faith journey. And yet simultaneously, while it's important to sit shoulder to shoulder, it's also important to sit face to face. It's important to, to sit in rows, but it's also important to sit in circles. And be able to, to open up God's word and say, hey, this is, this is what I'm seeing here, man. How, how, do you, how do we live this out together? How do we encourage one another in our faith? How do we um, challenge one another in our faith? How do we grow in our love for one another? How do we spend more time together? Because if you don't know this, l love requires time. Love requires relationship. 
And you cannot build great, loving relationships on Sunday morning only. I, I, just, I don't believe it can be done. Groups is so important to what we're doing. You being in a group is vital to your spiritual growth and health. I do not believe that you can grow fully into all that God desires for you alone. It just won't happen. And so if we're going to love like family, and if we're going to flip the script in the foothills, it's going to require that we get in a group and we love one another in our group. It's going to require that we prioritize relationships in our, in our lives. That, that if we're going to love like family, it's going to mean that we have to sit face to face and we have to let people know us and we have to be known. We have to let people know us and really know us so we can be known. And it takes time and it takes effort. Like this is why um, most people, um, they, they, they don't get engaged after the first date right? Because it takes time to get to know someone. Like any guy can iron a shirt for a couple of dates, right? Eventually, you're going to see that wrinkled shirt. Eventually, you're going to see that person's good and they're bad. I love, I was talking to, to Woody this morning, and he was talking about um, just Ken's been over at their house, and they've been hanging out uh, and, and working too a little bit. Um, and, and, and he said, man, Ken and I, I mean, we, we see each other's good and we see each other's bad in the time that we've been able to spend together. And that's how relationships are formed. That's what love is. When you see someone's good and they're bad and you're willing to say, man, I love you and I'm willing to press on in this relationship with you. And that can only happen when we spend time together. It requires time. And so, so get in a group. Um, but, <laughs> but really, we, we desire to flip the script here in the foothills. And, and here's what happens. When we love like family, when we love like family, we help others discover what Jesus is like. And I, I got this, and we're, we're going to fill in these other two circles because it requires all three, okay? If we're going to help people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus, we have to love like family. We have to love like family. Because when we love like family, we help people discover who Jesus is and what he is like. And simultaneously, we also deepen our relationship with Jesus. If, you, if we would learn to love, we would help people discover and we would deepen. And so, this week, as you go about your week, I want you just to, to wrestle with that question. How do the people in my life know that I'm a follower of Jesus? Is it by my love? If you bow your heads and close your eyes today. And I just, I just want to encourage you and challenge you today. I want you to know that you are loved here, that, that we love you, and simultaneously, We want you to grow in your love for others because we believe in Jesus. We are family. And so, Jesus, we are so thankful for your grace. 
we are thankful for your faithfulness. We are thankful for how you care for us and how you have just loved us. Lord, and, and, and I think we say that and we hear that so much that, that, that we can miss the weightiness of that reality in that statement. We can miss the, the, the reality of what it means that you love us. But I pray, Lord, that we would feel the weight of your love on our life this week, especially for the person maybe who is, who is struggling right now. I pray for the person who is lonely, who is isolated, who is struggling with depression or anxiety. I pray for the person who's going through a challenging season or time. And they just wonder, God, where are you? And they wonder, does God really love me? I pray, Lord, that they would, they would be able to, to see and know and experience your love through your people here in this building. That every man, woman, and child throughout the foothills would know the love of God through the people of God. And I pray, Lord, for those that are struggling, that you would comfort them with your love today. That they would be reminded of this reality and this truth. That you came for them. You set your sight on them before the world was ever even spoken into existence, before time ever even started. You saw us here in 2024 and you said, I love you. May we sit under the weight of your unfailing, unending, never giving up love. And may we worship you as if that love were a reality today. Jesus, we need you to help us embrace our identity as family. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me.